Welcome everyone to episode 11 of the MBE Enterprise Podcast, where we talk about money, business, and entrepreneurship with some of the brightest business minds I know. Today, I am joined by senior marketing and entrepreneurship student, Callie Meyer. Callie currently attends the University Minnesota State University, Mankato, and she is a student executive for the College of Business there. Callie, how are we doing today? I'm great. Thanks for asking. I'm really excited for this episode. I know I say that every time, but it really is fun anytime I get to just talk to, like I said, some of the brightest minds in business and especially with kind of the emphasis a little bit on marketing in this one. I'm looking forward to getting right into it. So Callie, we originally met at the Fowler um, National Business Competition. And I guess what have you kind of been up to since then as far as, you know, just, I guess, everyday life, but also business, entrepreneurship, marketing, school, all that goes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um, but since the competition, I've been working a lot. Over the summer, I was working an internship um, that was a rotational one. So I kind of rotated between M&A, um, equity, private equity, and then um, Honor Capital, which is a capital finance firm. Um, so I was pretty busy with that. And then now that I'm back at school, uh, a lot of classes, of course, and then um, a couple jobs here and there as well. So just keeping busy with work and school for sure. Callie, how have you kind of gone about the student and then work-life balance situation. I know that's something that's always for entrepreneurs that we talk about. We talk about it a lot on here, but do you have any particular tactics that you use as far as scheduling? Do you block schedule out your day? Do you, you know, a lot of people use Google Calendar, that sort of thing. Are there any uh, tips or tricks that you kind of use to to manage that massive student work-life balance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I use my calendar and my phone like every single day. Um, depending on how busy I am, I'll even like put in the time that I want to wake up for the gym and all that. Like I can get really down to it. Um, but I have all my classes there and then like my work schedules and then kind of in between, I just plan to do homework or do what I got to do in between that. But yeah, calendar for sure. I don't know what I'd do without it. <laughs> That's definitely something that I've had to get better at because I never used to be a big calendar person. Um, and then I found out that like, it seems like everyone who's successful in business that I talk to is using it. So I was like, oh, there must be a trend here. I should probably, I should probably hop on. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to keep track of everything. So it's a good way to have it right there. For sure. When we met together, um, you were on a team with Oxox and Matthew Tesvich, who I had on, on episode three. What you've kind of done and worked with him on is the the marketing side of that, mm -hmm. particularly particularly digital marketing, I would guess. And that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you today is when when startup companies, oftentimes they'll be working with smaller budgets. They, they don't have the capital expenditure ability that large scale companies would have to to um, dedicate to marketing, advertising, that sort of thing. What are maybe some specific examples or just general strategies that, that you've seen have worked, uh, maybe that haven't worked, some mistakes you guys have made along the way as far as uh, the digital marketing goes with, with a startup company like that? Yeah, great question. Um, I think a big thing is just utilizing social media. I mean, it's a free platform to use. And yeah, you can pay for ads, which um, we're starting to do as well. 
Um, but it's just a great way to have your brand out there. And then you can kind of, um, showcase what your brand is towards your audience. Um, so it's a really good way for like your audience to connect with the brand and just get a better idea of like who you guys are. So we use a lot of, um, Instagram and TikTok, And then I think we're also working on Facebook too. Um, we might have that already going, but Instagram and TikTok were big, um, especially TikTok. I've noticed a lot of small brands, if they're consistent, they'll basically blow up on TikTok and a lot of sales will come out of that and just brand recognition as well. So one thing with TikTok, I feel like especially, um, I feel like Instagram and Facebook, and I could be totally wrong here, definitely correct me, but I feel like Instagram and Facebook, people are a lot more already focused on creating quality as opposed to quantity. At least that's that's almost kind of the way that I see it because TikTok has that, that everyone has the chance to go viral, right? Because it's less based on your your following that you already have and, and more particularly based on the, the actual quality of that video itself. I think a lot of people's strategy on TikTok is to just pump out a ton of content and just hope that one catches fire. Whereas yeah. with Facebook and Instagram, because they're kind of focused more on that follower base, you know, your post nowadays with um, Instagram, Instagram, like explore page, that's grown a lot. But in the past, that's kind of how it always started. TikTok, I feel like kind of revolutionized that way of just making it more about the individual post. The, that's the ability of the individual post to blow up as opposed to having to already have that follower base. So how do you kind of balance um, with TikTok and then also Instagram and Facebook, the quality versus quantity kind of debate when it comes to marketing? Yeah, I think um, TikTok is definitely more of like a chill platform. Um, people like to be themselves on their TikTok platforms and just really showcase like the behind the scenes stuff about a brand. Um, but there's also different ways to go about it. Like some people will get all the expensive equipment for TikTok um, and that seems to do really well as well. But I do see that in Facebook and Instagram, like more um, focused on like trying to have it perfect. But I've also noticed as like time goes on, Instagram is starting to kind of go in that direction of TikTok with reels because people are starting to see the value in doing the reels and how that will show up on explore pages and just be discovered more than a regular post. Definitely. I know personally, actually with this podcast right now, one of the dilemmas that I've faced, and I think, I think the answer is probably to be posting to reels consistently, but one of the issues I face with this, for example, and maybe I could get your guidance on this actually as well is with Instagram, with the feed, right? TikTok, when you pull up TikTok, it automatically puts you to the for you page, right? Instagram, it, it automatically brings you to like your feed, your following followers, following feed. Um, I always feel like if I'm posting a bunch to Instagram, like with this account, for example, that people are going to see that and they're not going to want to see like five, six posts a day. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll unfollow. I feel like that's not the optimal way to do it. But then I, I follow some people like Gary V, for example, and it seems like he has 40 stories a day and he like swears by that strategy. But that's actually like the reason that I unfollowed him after a certain amount of time was because of all that content. Where with TikTok, I feel like you can pump the content because you're just trying to get that, you know, 99% of your viewers are coming from the For You page, at least in my experience. And maybe I just don't have a good follower base yet, which is totally possible. But it just seems because it's so much more focused on that, where even 
like you said, with Instagram reels, those are becoming more and more popular and like the ability to blow up an account can be extremely beneficial with those. But I still feel like the people's feeds that I'm like annoying them if I post a ton. Is there, do you have any opinions on that or even just in your own personal experience that you could speak on? Yeah. So I feel like, um, cause I struggled with that too, when I was kind of managing the Oxox accounts and just getting used to like posting more on TikTok. Um, cause I feel like growing up too, like when Instagram was newly a thing, I feel like it was like an unspoken rule where it's like, don't post twice a day. Like you don't want to like blow up your feed or anything you usually do like, I don't know, once a day, but that's even kind of a lot. You usually like have a strategy and like wait a couple days before you post your next post. Um, so I, I feel like I kind of had to unlearn that a little bit and just like be okay with posting so frequently. But I do think um, consistency is definitely key. And I, I feel like I hear so much about that too. So I do think it's really important, but I feel like you have to have like a good, happy medium. Like you don't want to completely blow up your Instagram stories and everything to the point where it's like, yeah, you're going to get a lot of people unfollowing that and just like not engaged anymore because it's just they feel like it's being repetitive. But I think still being consistent and maybe doing a couple reels a week um, or like two post a day but I think yeah 40 would probably be a little excessive but also I mean I think different strategies can work for different people too so it's really catered to um, the platform itself and like what it picks up on I would say yeah I think a really great point that you touched on there was the word consistency because if you build your base and build your following on posting 10 times a day right then that's what your followers are kind of going to expect from you. And the ones that you have that you, the ones that you retain are going to expect that from you, where if you build your following posting once every couple of days, and then all of a sudden start shifting to 10 posts a day, you're probably going to get people that unfollow you. So I think that consistency aspect is something that I've heard the algorithm rewards. Yeah. Um, but, but also when I hear Mr. Beast talk about the YouTube algorithm, for example, he always says, you know, just replace the word algorithm with audience. He's like the algorithm. Everyone gets so obsessed with the algorithm and there are advantages and ways you can learn to strategize around it. But he's like, at the end of the day, at least with YouTube, if your post, if people are engaging with it, if they're watching it, if they're liking it, commenting, then it's going to get pushed to more people. That's just how it works. So I feel like at the end of the day, it's just knowing your audience that you've built around and then staying consistent with what you have built, because that's what they're kind of going to be expecting from you going forward. Would you pretty much agree with that? I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And I like shifting the focus onto the audience rather than the algorithm. Cause I feel like when you focus just on the algorithm, you're focused on like the platform and what they, the platform itself likes and not what your audience likes and the people that would actually be interested in the business itself. So I think just shifting the focus to the audience is like a huge game changer for sure. It definitely is is something that allows to people like myself who I'm very much like a numbers person. Um, I was a finance major, so I, I definitely like the numbers. I think when people talk about algorithm, it gets people like me like really thinking. I'm like, oh, I can just look at all these numbers, look at this, these data points, these statistics, and just I'll just build a million followers in like a month, right? Where when you when you flip that to actually thinking about the audience, 
like you said, it makes it more about the actual individual people uh, themselves and kind of what they're really going to enjoy and, and less about just numbers on a screen. Because at the end of the day, the content is king, right? It has to be, it has to be good. For sure. Building on that, the marketing side of things, I know we'll talk a lot about this today, but one of the most important aspects of marketing is creativity. That's why people like me, it's not my strong suit. I feel like I'm not the most creative person. I'm, I'm much more, like I said, structure numbers person. Marketing relies so much on creativity and creative thinking. Mm-hmm. What are some creative thinking strategies that you maybe like to use when marketing, um, that some ideation processes that you might use? I know in the past on this on this podcast, we've always talked about ideation when it comes to business ideas and actually ideating for businesses. And obviously you're a minor in entrepreneurship as well. But as far as marketing goes first, are there different tactics or techniques that you use to go about the ideation and creative thinking process for marketing? Yeah, um, I would say I usually like to just kind of open my eyes and seeing like what other brands are doing. And it usually like kind of triggers something that I can apply to the brand that I'm working on. So while I might not be like copying their exact, you know, method, I'm like, oh, well, I like how they did this. I could apply like these concepts from this brand to that idea. So just kind of building off different ideas. And then um, anytime like something will pop in my head, I'd write it down or maybe like try and elaborate on that thought too. That way I have like the full idea in my notes and I don't forget it. Um And that kind of is the same with like business ideas, because I'm always thinking about different like businesses I could potentially do in the future. Um, And my notes app is like my best friend. I'll use I I have like a business category. And anytime a new idea will pop in my head, I just put it in there and write anything else I can add to it. And then um, if it ends up not being something I want to pursue, at least I have like note of that in case I ever want to go back to that. Building on that entrepreneurship side of things that you just mentioned, was there a moment in your life that you kind of realized that maybe entrepreneurship in that area would be something that would potentially interest you? Have you always kind of had an interest in being a, a self-starter um, per se, or or what was kind of the moment or moments that made that happen for you? Yeah, I would say just growing up, like my mom was very entrepreneurial um, and she always kind of put that idea in my head of like, the best way to be successful is to do it yourself and like have your own business rather than like working up the ladder. Um, So that kind of always just like had that, I had that idea in the back of my head. And then at one point in her career, she switched from working for a company to working for herself. Um, She's actually at Sunbelt Business Advisors. So she helps people um, sell their businesses when they're ready to retire or go on to a next venture. Um, And then she also connects those people with people that are interested in buying already established businesses. So that one, like she is self-employed and it's just, it was really cool to see her make that jump like on her own. Um, And yeah, I feel like it's, I got to give a lot of props to my mom because she always um, kind of encouraged me to look into entrepreneurship and then seeing her actually take that risk and um, go through that process has been really cool too. Well, if she ever finds it an extremely good deal where she can get like a multi, multi-million dollar business for like really cheap, you should definitely let me know. Cause I'd be interested in that. For sure. Um, so 
going back to marketing a little bit here, another aspect of marketing that's extremely important and ties into creative thinking as well is the idea of storytelling, Mm -hmm. Um, telling a story to kind of really, you know, it's, it's a balance of, of the hook, right? The attention getter and then the hook to keep their interest and kind of just building an engaging story that will keep the audience's attention. Um, what are some kind of thoughts that you have on the on the topic of storytelling and marketing and maybe any strategies or uh, experiences that you've had regarding that? Yeah, I feel like storytelling is like the biggest aspect of marketing because it truly allows the audience connect with your story and your brand. And um, it's it makes it feel less transactional. It's like the real connection and better understanding of like what you guys do in the business. Um, and it also just kind of allows them to relate to you for a minute, especially if you like talk about like the struggles of getting there and just make it really um, like personable. Um, I think that's super helpful. But actually in the competitions that Matthew and I did, he had his story developed and he kind of talked about like the process of coming up with the idea and then starting to work on the idea of Oxox and then kind of the feedback that he received from all that. And he just created such a great story. And I noticed that the judges seemed to really like it. And it just, it gave it more like character than just like a sales pitch of like, oh, this is our product and these are our sales and everything. It's more like, oh no, we're helping people. And there's so much more than just a product and numbers. Yeah, that that personal connection that you bring up, I think, is extremely important. Important. I just saw some today actually that was talking about how I'm sure it's probably a famous line that I might screw up here, but it's like people buy off emotions, you know, yeah. and then they they decide whether it's a good buy, kind of based on what they receive. But that original buying process is definitely emotional, and it's it's a much more eloquent quote than that. I promise you. But you brought up that storytelling with Matthew in competitions. Um, and you're obviously talking about in competitions there, but when it comes to content creation and storytelling through that, are there any particular examples that you guys used with Oxox um, recently of like storytelling examples, I guess, just in particular? Um, I am not totally sure. I haven't been like actively um, creating content recently just with like school and some other jobs that I've been working on but I know they do a really good job at what they've been doing um they've been starting to do like paid advertisements so I would see it on my feed of like oh it's a paid advertisement from Oxox which is pretty cool um but yeah like definitely in the competitions I can speak on for sure because he's just an amazing storyteller and just like his pitches are incredible but um, we did talk about like different ideas for adding that into content as well. You talking about you talked about seeing the paid advertisements on your feed. I actually have also pretty much since I followed Matthew on Instagram, which is really interesting because I think I was seeing them when I wasn't even following Oxox, and I was it was still just bringing up those ads for me. So it's just crazy how the, it's crazy how the algorithm works like that. Sometimes yeah. kind of spooky, but. When you mentioned seeing those in your feed, another thing that I feel like I've been seeing in feeds more recently um, over the last maybe like year or so is kind of this shift to the idea of the behind the scenes sort of content. Like you bring it up in a, in a pitch, in a business competition, 
telling that story and talking about kind of what went on behind the scenes, the origins of it, how it got to that point. I feel like I've also been seeing that more in content creation recently. Uh, is that something you agree with? Is that something you think is is wise of businesses and brands to do as a whole? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think it just makes it more interesting to learn about the brand in that way. And I've noticed like just from my own TikTok feed, like I'm really interested in hearing the background stories and it seems to do really well with like the rest of the audience as well. I mean, I'm also very entrepreneurial, so that could be a part of it. But I think people do really like to hear like the background story and like the day in the life stuff. And it makes it more just like personable, like I said. Um, so I think that's really cool rather than just like showcasing the product without the actual story behind it. Yeah, it is interesting what you brought up there, the fact that you are already more kind of entrepreneurial minded. Um, I, I would definitely agree with that take for myself as well. So I wonder if that's maybe the only reason why we find it more enjoyable or even why we see it in the first place, right? If the, the algorithm's just telling it to push it to us because it knows we'll enjoy it more. But yeah, that is something I've definitely been seeing more. And I do find it it interesting. It's interesting because it's not as easy to do as people think. I think a lot of people would think that maybe in the realm, the grand scheme of content creation, it's easier than coming up with a brand new idea and marketing and advertising a brand new, a brand new thing. But the idea of documenting what you've kind of been doing, you can't go back in time, right? And, and kind of redo it. Like you have to have planned it throughout in a way. And you also have to be taking the time and it's kind of a meticulous process to like always have a camera on, you know what I mean? Like always, always be thinking like, oh, this, this kind of sucks what I have to do right now, but I could make this into content. I could record this, what I'm doing right now, show the people what it is like that creativity behind it and, and making just like anything into content nowadays. And if it's truly genuine and truly authentic, I think, like you said, that personal touch that connects with people. I think anything like that is extremely beneficial for brands going forward, but it definitely is one of those things that's difficult. I know from personal experience as well, like when I first started seeing um, content in my feed that was centered on the actual process itself and, and, and the origins of a company behind the scenes sort of things, I was like, oh, that seems like it'd be so easy to do. I'm going to do more of that. And then I was like, then I have to have a camera like everywhere I go, I have to do this, I have to do that. I was just like, it was something that I shifted out of. And, and I think people think it's a lot more easy than it is. And I think it, if you'd agree, it kind of gives that personal feel to the brand as well and, and gives people to relate more to it, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I totally agree on like the time consuming aspect. Like it's, it can be tough to like think of all those ideas and then, you know, making the time to actually like film it and have everything set up for it. And there's a lot of thinking that goes behind it. So, and I totally agree on like the part where people definitely think it's a lot easier than what it is. Um, but it, it really does add like that personal touch to a brand, which is really cool. Now, Callie, you're obviously still in, in school right now. You're a senior at Mankato State. Are there any classes that you are currently taking right now or maybe have taken in the past that have been like extremely impactful to you? Um, you don't you don't need to talk about the ones that you really have disliked, but just the ones that uh, you've, you've really enjoyed and maybe what you've kind of taken out of them. Yeah. So my favorite class, well, I guess it would be more of a program, but it was at um, Minnesota State University in Mankato um, and it was called the IBE program. 
So it's basically um, you take like a set of core classes, like principles of marketing, um, principles of management, and a couple of other classes that you need to graduate as a business student anyways. And then you take one extra class with it and it's all in a block. So you have the same schedule with the same people um, every week. And that extra IBE class is basically where you start a business within your classes. So you're learning all like the principles and the basics of business. And then you work with a team that you're given and um, you basically think of a product that you want to do and then um, find like a manufacturer, distributor. Um, and then we took out a real loan. So writing all the stuff for that and prepping for like the slides and everything and then presenting our loan um, request basically. And then taking that money, buying the products, selling the products, marketing it, doing the finance, like everyone has their own role in the business, which was really cool because it's not just marketing people. It's not just finance. It's a little bit of everyone. So you get everyone's kind of feedback and input and yeah, start up a company within your classes. So that was like a really cool experience. And I I had already known that I was super interested in like entrepreneurship, but to actually like experience that and go through like the development stage and then actually like continuing with the business um, after we had our products was super rewarding. I feel like that was definitely my favorite part of college so far. Yeah, that does seem like it would be extremely exciting. Um, especially just because it's that not it's kind of the non-traditional way of learning, right? Like it's it's structured like a class still, but it's it's almost more of a hand hands-on learning feel, I would think, actually building the company as opposed to just sitting in a lecture. You know what I mean? That that gets repetitive and, and boring. But one of the things we were gonna bring up that actually ties perfectly well into what you just said is the idea of team building. Um, are there any in your past experiences? What are some characteristics that teams that have worked really well together have had as opposed to maybe teams, whether it's in business or whether it's just any, any team you were on, um, some characteristics that they had that maybe caused them to not work as well? Yeah, great question. Um, I think a big thing is just being open to hearing different ideas because a lot of times I feel like people get really excited about their own idea and they don't really want to hear other ideas as much. But I think just like putting yourself in a position where you're okay with hearing other ideas and elaborating, and maybe it won't be your idea that ends up being like the finalized thing, but just hearing everyone's input because everyone has different perspectives. So when you all come together and kind of just, um, I don't know, like listen to everyone's opinions and kind of give them the grace of that, um, you can create some really cool stuff rather than just doing something on your own and not taking in other ideas. Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's something actually that Aditya brought up in the, in the most recent episode that airs today, I'm pretty sure um, Monday, he brought up the, the concept of with team building, having that environment that is extremely like inclusive to all ideas. You know what I mean? Like allowing really fostering um, the ability for all ideas to be heard and then the idea of actually listening to them too, right? Because like you said, everyone enjoys bringing up their own idea and wants their own idea to be the one that gets picked, but not everyone's obviously can get picked. So listening is a huge trait. And I think it goes with leadership as a whole, not just, not just team building, but 
within every team, it kind of, you naturally sort of develop, I guess, a hierarchy of who's maybe making the final decision or who's at least handling certain portions of the decision-making process. And I think listening, everyone thinks of the leader as the person who's talking a lot, right? But in my experience anyway, the leader is oftentimes the one who's really the best at listening to everything, listening to all the ideas, taking in all the information, and then being able to formulate kind of a plan or a process going forward with that. Would you would you kind of agree with that take on, on leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think another thing too is it's important to like celebrate the wins and then also not get too down when something doesn't go right and just kind of be a supportive team. Um, cause it, it's hard. I mean, there's always going to be ups and downs in a business or, you know, in a, um, team setting. So just kind of knowing how to ride that wave with a good attitude is everything. Definitely. Definitely. How have you balanced in your experience when things don't go right? I know you mentioned, you know, keeping a positive attitude is extremely important with that, but are there any other specific ways that you would kind of pick people up or maybe if it was you, for example, that made a mistake that you would kind of, I don't know, apologize or strategies to kind of do differently going forward when things do go wrong? Because like you said, in business, there will inevitably be mistakes made in in all areas at some point or another. So kind of having that grace, like you mentioned, and, and just not being too hard on people, but also staying firm when things maybe aren't going right or something needs to change, something needs to go in a different direction. Yeah. Um, I think just providing feedback, but still being respectful about how you do it is really important because it helps them better themselves and it also can do the same for you if um, your teammates are giving you feedback. And then I always just try and like, or I always try and think of the bright side of things. Um, So like if something doesn't go the way I envisioned it to, I usually try and take a second and like let that soak in and then try and flip my perspective on it and like, okay, well, at least I have a second chance or, you know, I learned something from it and just seeing the brighter side of things I think is really important too. Cause it's easy to like get down on yourself or get down on other people when um, things go wrong, but just having that good attitude and thinking of the bright side of things and then making sure you're uplifting your team overall too is really important. We, we talk about self-reflection in this realm as well. Um, not only reflecting on the decisions, I think everyone's pretty good at reflecting on the decisions that other people make, but actually self-reflecting on your own decisions. Um, we also talk about like personal development was one of the topics we wanted to talk about on here. And tying those two together, are there any things like self-reflection practices you do, whether it's like meditation or um, any other process that processes that you have for kind of going over decisions that you've had to make or thinking on meditating on decisions that you might have to make going forward, whether it's in business or just in everyday life? Yeah, um, I'm pretty big in journaling. So I'll do that whenever I remember to. I'm not always like the best about it. But I think doing that has been really helpful. And also, it's kind of cool to like reflect on like previous situations. Like if I flip the pages back to like a couple years ago or something, it's cool to just see like your mindset change over time, especially if you're pretty active in like the personal development world like I am. Um, So I think that's pretty important to me. And then also just like taking responsibility for it. I mean, everyone makes mistakes here and there for sure. 
and just like being okay with saying like yeah I messed up I'm sorry like and figuring out a way to go about it and make it right I think is also really important you bring up journaling and I think there's two schools I'm sure there's more but I would say there's two major schools of thought when it comes to journaling some people when they journal like to have a nice structure of you know maybe like three things that I'm thankful for and four things I'm going to try and get done today, two things I'm, you know, that'll make me happy if I do that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. A structure to it. I think other people are kind of from the school of thought of, of just start writing, right? Just start writing in the journal, whatever comes out, comes out. And kind of, that's just how you do it. Are you a firm believer in one of those sides versus the other or not really? I think they're both beneficial. I actually do both. Um, lately I've been more just like journaling and like talking about my day or my week or whatever. Um, but I did find a lot of value in like the structured way too. I just need to get a new notebook, but, um, yeah, I would do like the goals and then plans for like the day. Like, what do I, what do I want to accomplish? Um, things I'm grateful for, um, and stuff like that. And I think both are really beneficial for sure. You brought up goals and I, for now we'll stay on the topic of personal development. Do you, what are some, if you wouldn't mind sharing, like personal goals that you kind of have, whether it's short-term ones or, or even long-term down the road that you really want to accomplish. And then following that, maybe more some business type goals that you, that you have for yourself in the future. Yeah. Um, personal goals. I'm pretty big on the gym. So lately I've been kind of just going every morning and, um, getting up early for that. Um, I don't have like a set like end result, but just kind of staying consistent is more of a goal, I guess. Um, and then on the topic of like business, um, one goal I have for myself is definitely to own my, my own business at one point, but I don't know like what exactly that looks like yet. So a lot of brainstorming still, but putting myself in any situation where I can maybe learn more or um, hear more about like an entrepreneur's story and just, um, attending networking events, anything like that to kind of put myself out there. Um, and then another goal I have, this would be more like after college. Um, when I move to another city, I would love to get a duplex as my first property. I think that would be like super fun, um, to rent out the other unit, maybe fix it up a little bit and then, um, live, in one unit and then eventually rent that other one out. And then if I like it and I I'm having fun with like the whole duplex thing, maybe get another property. So I think that would be kind of cool to do at one point after college once I save up some good money, but. So you brought up real estate there, obviously that's a, yeah. uh, definitely a smart strategy for anyone that wants to kind of step their foot into the door into real estate. I would say if you're young, especially, and, and living in a, in a duplex, for example, that's not the e probably the easiest way to do it. You know what I mean? Like the, the best, most efficient way to get your foot in the door, as opposed to like buying a rental property in seven states over and renting it out, you know, when you're not around. Um, right. So I definitely think that's a good strategy to take for sure. That's something my, my brother has always liked real estate. And he's always, he always told me that I need to do right when I get out of college, for example, is he's like, just get a duplex, rent out the other half, you know, they'll, they'll pay for your mortgage. It's, it's genius. You just got to do that. So I definitely think that's a good strategy. Um, another thing you brought up with the kind of business side of things is that you want to start your own business eventually. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you don't necessarily have the framework for it or the idea itself yet, which I think is totally fine. But you talk about putting yourself out there to kind of put yourself in situations where you have a greater, you know, likelihood of, of connecting with someone to work on a business or thinking of a business idea, having it kind of come to you inspiration for an idea, for example, how important would you say that that is to younger entrepreneurs, but also just anyone in general, in any aspect of life, putting yourself out there to kind of foster that, that personal growth going forward? I mean, I think it's huge. Like you learn so much by doing stuff like that. And it's also like the aspect of like getting outside of your comfort zone. Like I reflect on just how I've changed throughout the years, like of college and freshman year me, like I was terrified to do any of that. I didn't really go to many club meetings. Um, then again, it was on zoom too, but like, it was just, it felt like so much more scary to put myself out there and like walk into a club meeting or a networking event alone or even like with friends, I feel like even that was like a little scary if it's like a new place. But um, my sophomore year, I was like, I need to do something like something is I feel like I'm missing something in college. So I went to an entrepreneurship club. And I remember like doing all my research on it. I'm like, okay, this could be fun. Like, I feel like that would be totally my vibe. Um, I reached out to the president and I was so nervous to do it. And he's like, yeah, we have a meeting like tomorrow if you want to stop by. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. And I just remember being so scared, like going into it. But after that, it was like I met everyone and they were all super welcoming and really nice. And I'm like, oh, like that wasn't that bad. And it worked out really well. And then I think I just like kind of got an adrenaline rush from that. And I wanted to keep doing stuff like that. Um so like over time, just like attending more events and just anything that piques my interest, I usually like to sign up and check it out. And I don't know, worst case scenario, you don't like it and you can just go home, but at least you gave it a shot. You never know like who you're going to meet at those events or what you're going to learn from it. And yeah, I, I think it's super important for anyone, even if you're not in college, just putting yourself out there and learning more. When you were talking about the the idea of being very nervous, you know, or, or scared to to do something in particular, and then and then kind of finding out that it wasn't really worth it, you know, be, being scared. I mean, because right. it was just went totally fine. It it made me think of a quote by Mark Twain actually, and it goes, "I am an old man and have known a great many troubles, most of which never happened." And it's that idea of you get things in your head about what, what something, what might happen or what a worst case scenario might be. And then a lot of times that'll actually stop people from making the decision that they probably really should. Mm -hmm. And they won't do it because they get in their own way. So I think that's so important. Like you brought up about putting yourself out there and just doing things because so often people will work up a situation in their head. That's not even remotely likely to happen. Like looking back on it, oftentimes you'll be like, I was worried about this happening like that. Why, why was I worried about that? Right. It totally wasn't an issue. So I think just, just having the confidence to just go ahead and do it is extremely important. But then also there's another saying that goes something along the lines of, you know, confidence, you, you want to, you want to have something to show for it. I'm, I'm, I can't think of the word right now, but it's, you basically want to have something to show for it that gives you confidence, like your product and business, for example, your product will give you the confidence. You won't, you don't want to just, you don't want to necessarily just fake it till you make it in that regard. So the idea of going out and, and doing something like that, 
getting over that first hump, doing it, and then having it pay off can help give you the confidence going forward to make the next one easier and the next one easier. And that snowball effect rolls forward. So I think that's why just doing it that first time, taking that first step is so extremely important. That first jump, it's like the scariest thing ever, even if it sounds so simple. But once you do that, it's it gets easier and easier. And I think just like as simple as like going to a club meeting alone my sophomore year, it's it, it's so funny to think of like how scary that was for me at the time. But if I didn't do that, I don't think I would have done the things that I've done like since then. Because um, later in my sophomore year, after the club meeting thing and all that, I decided I needed to do something again, like something was missing. And that's kind of when I looked into doing like an abroad or study away kind of thing. And I ended up going to the University of Georgia um, last year, my junior year. And that was terrifying too, because I didn't know anyone there. I was just moving there alone. But I think something so simple as like going to a club meeting for the first time alone kind of was that snowball effect. And then I'm going to Georgia all of a sudden. And then I'm going to all these club meetings, trying to get in, like um, involved on campus there. But just the little steps can create so much bigger things for sure. Definitely. And going back to where we originally started talking about with this topic was the idea of goal setting. And one mm -hmm. of the things that you brought up was how the gym is really important to you, but that you don't necessarily have a particular end goal for that your kind of goal is to just stay consistent with it. And right. you kind of, I noted that you kind of said like, you know, I guess, yeah, consistency, like that is kind of the goal. I think that's extremely, extremely important too, is, is getting the frame of mind, especially in entrepreneurship, that the consistency and kind of keeping yourself on a schedule can be a goal in itself. You know, everyone thinks of goals, they think of, you know, dollar amounts, right? Or whether it's uh, people, in the fitness industry, whether it's, you know, muscle gained or, or fat lost or anything regarding monetary or like number kind of goals. And I think what people don't often think about is like, okay, I just want to go to the gym five days a week, you know, or I just want to put out a piece of content once a day. I want to do whatever it is consistently and have that actually be the goal. I think that's extremely beneficial to do because then you're not tied to the outputs, right? Your goals are your own inputs and what you're actually doing and then let the rest take care of itself. Like I think of people talk about that with podcasting, for example. So the average podcast, I'm pretty sure lasts about four episodes and like 90, 90th percentile podcast is like nine episodes, right? So for the record, just to flex, uh, we're already in the 90th percentile at this one. Um, I just have to, just have to say that, but Absolutely. people, yeah, people talk about it with podcasting of like how people get into it and they're like, I want to do this. I, I want to talk about this. And they'll talk about it for like three episodes. And then they're like, okay, well now I don't know what to talk about anymore. So I'm, I'm out of ideas. And then, and then it ends. Right. But the idea of, for me going into this, I was like, and I've, and I've done that before, by the way, this is the, this is the second or third like podcast that I've actually started categories wise. Um, and then this is obviously the 11th episode. And with this one, I kind of went into it like, okay, the goal of this is not to get a million listeners, right? It's not to make a bunch of money, right? The goal with this is to, first of all, learn from the people that I have on because it's a guest oriented podcast, of course, but then also is to just stay consistent with it. 
to just do three to four episodes a week, post three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and just stay consistent with that and just keep doing it and let the chips kind of fall where they may, as they would say. So I think that's something that in any category of business can be so extremely important to keep your mindset focused and your goals focused on the inputs that you can control as opposed to outputs that you don't necessarily know are going to happen. Now, there obviously is a time and a place where you have to meet certain goals and meet certain expectations that are the outputs. But for the most part, I think focusing on inputs is an extremely smart way to go to about go about it. So I think that you, your strategy of the, of the gym, for example, is actually kind of genius without thinking into it too far because you just, your goal is to just stay consistent with it. Right. And I think another thing with the gym too, I mean, I definitely want to build more muscle and like all that, but I also know like with the consistency aspect, like if I am consistent in the gym and consistently eating healthy and all that, like I know the results will kind of follow, but the big thing is just like building those habits that will become like a lifetime um, habit, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Like exactly there, right? Like if you stay consistent with it, you know, the results will come. And then right. also it allows you to build that habit. And, and it kind of is the snowball effect all over again, right? Of like, you're just setting yourself up for better in the future. Once you've done it 297 times, you're like, okay, well, the 298th one isn't going to be that hard, you know? Right. So I think, I think consistency is just so extremely important in in all realms, realms of life, really, whether it's habit building on a personal development level or whether it's, you know, building a multi-billion dollar business down the road. But Callie, what are some things that you wish you would have known starting out in kind of both your marketing and entrepreneurship journeys? I would say like one of the biggest things that I wish I knew earlier is just the importance of putting yourself out there and like taking those risks. And um, I read something about like the power of being uncomfortable and just like getting outside of your comfort zone, like how much that helps you to like grow and just evolve as a person. And I I just wish I like was more into that and like did stuff like that when I was younger. I mean, I'm really grateful for all that I've learned um, more recently, but just if I had that same like outlook my freshman year, I feel like, I don't know, it, it would have been cool to see like what I could have accomplished earlier. But um, I would say that's like probably my biggest piece of advice. Just don't be afraid to like take those risks and put yourself in that uncomfortable situation um, because you never know what's going to happen out of it. Everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. That's another quote that I've always loved. And it kind of, it ties in directly to what we've been talking about and directly to what you just said about Putting yourself on the edge of your comfort zone, outside your comfort zone, is is really what facilitates growth at all times going forward. And you said you wish you would have known that starting out. That's I feel like that's probably a pretty common one for, for a lot of people that they they myself included, I would say that I wish I would have just done it, you know, the first time. Like just don't overthink it and just take the first step and just do it. Callie, besides that. What about some advice that you would tell someone going forward that's not directly related to just to just taking the first step, but, but something maybe a little different than that? Yeah, so definitely the comfort zone thing and just doing things that scare you. But also, um, I would say like a big part of that is like the mindset, like in general, just like with life, um, changing your mindset from like victim to victor and 
instead of like blaming situations or other people or stuff like that for bad things that happen to you, take responsibility for it, whether or not you're at fault and understand that you have the power to change the situation. It's all in your head. It's like, if you believe that you can get through something, you can, but if you set those limits that nothing works out for you or like you're doomed, you're going to stay in that spot because subconsciously you believe that. So I think that's like a big thing too, just like the mindset and like working to improve that always. I totally agree with that. And it also just gives you the best odds to succeed, right? Because if you, if you believe that you can change a situation, you know, like you said, even if you can't, it still gives you the best chance at making it versus if you just, if you just tell yourself, there's nothing I can do about this, you know, kind of that victim mentality, like you said, then you're for sure, like you're just guaranteeing yourself that you're not going to change it. But if you at least go into it with the mindset that you can potentially change it, then you, you give yourself that opportunity. And that might be all that it takes for, you know, one situation or, or one little thing to, to snap or change. And it can make all the difference in the world. So I think that's, that's extremely good advice as well. And, and kind of the last thing here, Callie, you mentioned, we talked about reading before we started recording a little bit and how that's something you kind of want to get into more. Um, you talked about some audiobooks that you currently, currently uh, listen to. And, and I mentioned how I like podcasts. Is there a, a book, whether it's audiobook or, or the one that you've read or even a podcast that you, in, that you enjoy that you have found to be extremely influential? And what would you say is that that most influential one or piece of advice that you've gotten from it? Yeah, um, I would say, so for a book, I listened to this on Spotify. It was like a playlist, but it was basically like an audio book. Um, and that was of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think just like the perspectives that were in that is it's just incredible, like to hear both sides and not that there's anything wrong with either side, but just to know like, the two sides of things. And like, I don't know if you're entrepreneurial, it really changes your perspective of like, Oh, like if you have this mentality, like you can achieve these things versus the other side. It's like, if you're staying in the safe zone. It's not always safe because they can still let you go at any time. But I think rich dad, poor dad, they have a lot of really good messages in there. Um, and then for a podcast, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love anything like personal development, business, like yours, of course, too. Um, and one of my favorites at the moment would be the Ed Milet podcast. Um, I think he's just very knowledgeable and I love his perspective and just his outlook on life. I think it's a pretty good podcast for sure. One of, one of my goals is definitely going to be to um, convert all of my all of my guests to so this being their number one listen to podcast. That'll be one of my goals down the road. But I love that you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It definitely explains a little bit of that real estate uh, mindset side of side of things with that du getting into that duplex, for example, because um, that's obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad for anyone who hasn't read it is obviously the story itself can can be applied to a lot of things, but the it kind of takes the route of real estate to start. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's a really good one. Just seeing, like you said, not necessarily that one way is right or wrong, but just to know that you have those options, mm -hmm. even when that person, Robert Kiyosaki came from the situation where he was from the poor dad situation, spoiler alert, I guess. And, and he learned the alternative way of thinking and the alternative way of how things could be done. And then eventually, you know, 
that's all she wrote from there, I guess. I won't, I won't spoil too much of it, but yeah, I love that book. I think that's a, a really good one with a ton of good lessons. That was one of the first ones that I actually read. Um, my uncle recommended it to me. And I don't want to hop on the bandwagon here of that being my favorite book, but it's definitely one of the first ones that I recommend to friends if they're wanting to get into entrepreneurship or business at all because of just the mindset and the way of thinking. And uh, it definitely would be up there, though, for my favorite ones that I've ever read for sure. And then what was the podcast that you said you really enjoyed that Ed something? Uh, Ed Milet. Okay, yeah. Got you. I have not listened to that one, um, but I'll have to add that to my list of, of ones. What's kind of the the topics that he mainly talks about with that one? Um, I would say like mindset and business um, and leadership and kind of that type of stuff. Um, he'll have a lot of guests on the show too. So you hear different perspectives from a lot of business leaders or like professionals. Um, so it's it's a really good show for sure. It, it just kind of ties in a lot of the personal development and business aspects, which I love. Are you familiar with Alex Hormozzi at all? I don't think so. Okay. He's kind of blown up in the last like nine months, I would say. Like, I don't know about blown up to the point where everyone's heard of him, obviously, but he's gotten a lot bigger in the last nine months or so. And he's one, he has a podcast on Spotify. I probably brought this up every episode. Oh, just about. He has a podcast on Spotify called The Game. Um, and then he makes a lot of YouTube content as well. And that'd be one, I guess, if I was giving you a recommendation for a podcast, Alex Hormozzi's podcast and his wife, Layla, has one too. Um, they're both, they're really good as far as they're into kind of buying, buying business. I mean, a ton of stuff. I shouldn't even put it on one category, but yeah, definitely check that one out. The Game by Alex Hormozzi. Hopefully he'll be a guest on here one of these times. And mm -hmm. uh, Callie, I appreciate you coming on. It was a, it was a really fun discussion. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm wishing you the best with everything as far as school goes, marketing, and then also that eventual goal of owning your own business down the road too. And hopefully that duplex too. All right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on the show.